welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where I bring on two guests to read a book suggested by one of the guests. This week I'm joined again by Ileana Garcia and Stephanie Cortez, um, and we read The Essential Border Town, which is a collection of short stories, so we're going to go with the editor, um, Terry Windling. Um, and it was suggested by Ileana, so do you want to give us uh, the pitch, I guess, on why this book? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, so this book is came into my life. Um, I actually read two previous books um, before this one that introduced me to this book. So I was in college, and I was basically... Uh, spent most of my time inside of a Borders, um, at the <laughs> oh, mall that was <laughs> at the mall that was closest to my college. It was a bus ride away, and we didn't have a very good library at my college, so a lot of us would just hop on the bus and go to Borders and just pull books out of <laughs> off the shelf and do all of our research that way. <laughs> um, That's a true college experience, yep. right there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we spent an awful lot of time in the young adult fiction section. Um, just because I was obsessed with the book covers. Oh, yes. Um, they all have really, um, fascinating book covers, uh, cause they're trying to attract as much attention as possible. So they're always <laughs> some kind of like, you know, the early days of Photoshop sort of thing. Um, and there so there are I... some pretty great bad ones out there, honestly. <laughs> exactly. Right now it's a lot of, um, girls in dresses. Yes. Looking over their shoulder. Yes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it in anything fantasy. <laughs> exactly. So I pulled two books out. Uh, they were next to each other. And it was um, Elsewhere and Never Never. And okay. Elsewhere and Never Never were part of uh, this shared universe that I later found out was created by Terry Windling in the 80s uh, about a world in which the Elflands returned and basically annexed themselves to the world, our world. And what, you know, what resulted from that was it annexed itself at different points, but in one point it annexed itself to a city. And so people flocked to the city and elves and humans had all of these interesting interactions. And this world is kind of about that. And I read those two books and I needed more. And I went to, okay. thankfully, in the beginning of the books, they had like, oh, other books in this world are, and then this one was listed, and so I went and I found this one. And the reason I love this one so much is because it is not only a collection of short stories about that world, it also breaks down the world for you in a really cool way about like the town, like the city, the people that live in it, uh, the music, the food, like it just elaborates it as if it were a guidebook which is why it's called The Essential Border Town. Um, and it kind of just gave me a lot to latch onto when I was in college. And it was pretty much an obsession of mine. Um, it kind of still is, uh, just because of how much detail they give you into the world. It's as if you were like, almost as if you were playing a, like a tabletop RPG, kind of like D&D. That's the kind of background they give you. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely it was really cool to open up, and it, it kind of reads as if it's one of those guides that's passed around, not like an official guide, like that you're supposed to take it as 
the short stories are kind of people putting in stories and then passing it on. Yes. Um, which, yeah, I'm glad you said it's YA because actually I was doing a little bit of research and I kept laughing because nowhere does it say YA, but I see a lot of urban fantasy for teen readers and it was just like, okay. <laughs> but I get it. If it started in the 80s, then there was no young adult genre. So that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> I, I loved it. Stephanie, what'd you think? I loved it too. I really did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I liked how, like you were saying, how it has like the tips and like the guides, like how that's peppered in between the stories. Um, it didn't feel super like expositiony or like trying too hard to set up this world. It felt like it flowed very, very naturally. Um, and then the stories, I loved all of them. <laughs> I kept reading them like, oh, I like this one. Oh, now I like this one too. It's basically like, I just like the whole book now. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to actually dig and find the entire collection. Right. Because um, it's just, I, I love fairies. I, I think everybody kind of has an opinion on fairies and mm-hmm. I think some kind of love. Um, but from how I understand it, these are supposed to be kind of Tolkien-esque yes. fairies. So... Um, which is cool. It's a, it's a great, the introduction of this alone made me love it because there are fantasy books that you read that you're like, this is fantasy. I am reading fantasy. And then there are fantasy books where you're like, well, shit, this is somewhere real (laughs) because, because it, it instantly sets up that magic doesn't work in the human world, but technology doesn't work in elf world. And that's why a border town exists and B why you can't find magic in elves. And I was like, oh, totally makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, where is border town? Well, you can only find border town when you absolutely need it. Mm -hmm. Or if you're running away or et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, cool. This is why there's not a map because it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So. Oh yeah. I I definitely have, there's a, there's a part of me that, that, believes that this place exists somewhere and I just have to find it. It, it just puts <laughs> that thought in your brain of, you know, it's the same kind of feeling of when you're, when you were reading Harry Potter, like, Oh, I'm going to get my Hogwarts letter one day. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, we're going to add well, border town to the list of places that I need to visit fictional. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, it was, it just has this realness to it that, is a large part of why it stayed with me for so long is because it, it's like, if I read the book again, I get to go back to that place and gotcha. it's always there. And it's like comforting in a way to be able to visit um, that place. Cause it's like this magical, but magical, but gritty. Cause it's urban fantasy. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. That is a great point. This is not a happy go lucky place that you should try to find. <laughs> exactly. There are, there are, there's crime, there's drugs. It's very much taking a lot of its ambiance from like the cities from the 80s, like the way that the cities were back then, like New York and LA and how dangerous they were and how much crime was happening and how much um, like large parts of the city were not gentrified the way they are now. Um, It was kind of like, every man for himself sort of thing. And like you banded together with people, you know, that you yeah. met. The, and- um, the guide to the, I'm trying to find it. 
that's a tasteful guide I want the gangs the mm-hmm. guide to the gangs yes where it's like don't walk here that's this yep. gang but if you go one block too far it's this gang yep and if you're human don't go here but if you do insult halflings yeah and but then it was like oh but here's the good places and this gang looks scary but really they're just posers yes it's <laughs> wonderful and I kind of just wanted to almost start drawing a map based on all the uh, the street names and things like that. Um, I have tried. Of... I have tried. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's I, amazing. I, w- I went deep into research for, um, back when I... So I guess now, now is a good time to admit. Um, I created a forum RPG of this book. Um, that is really cool. Sorry, from one RPG nerd to another, <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> so I like spent like a solid year just doing research and trying to figure out what town or what city was the inspiration for Border Town. And different places said different things. Some places said LA, other places said New York, but certain parts of New York because there's a Soho, hmm. but there's it's not the same kind of Soho. And so I tried to do this thing where I overlaid like a map of LA over a map of New York and try and like figure out how it, and then San Francisco's thrown in there a little bit. Um, That's really awesome. Yeah. So it's, I never really figured out the map, but I definitely tried and like for the sake of the, the RPG that I created, like try and figure out like, okay, so if you take this street, you will get to this street. If you take this street, you will get to this street. So it kind of gives some idea of where things were when you were like writing your, your character's part. Um, and I had a couple of people, um, kind of start, excuse me, (laughs) start kind of role-playing in it, but then it, a lot of us were in college and I didn't finish it in time for the summer. So we didn't get to start until like August and then we had to go back to classes. So it, we didn't get to really play in it as much as I would like, but somewhere on the internet, it's, there's a webpage (laughs) with a forum on it that I created. Well, if you have it. Uh, I will have to see if I can, if it still works, because maybe, I think a lot of the links are broken. That would make sense. So it would maybe a website with a lot of, like, icons with X's on them. Gotcha. (laughs) But a lot of what's on that book, uh, on that um, RPG, like, the information and the background that you need to read before you start playing, came from this book. Oh, cool. So I pretty much, like, use this as my, like player's handbook essentially um and just adapted it and created uh like npcs of the characters in this book that you can well and play with so i guess if we somehow get um an editor or someone at tour or anything to listen to this and you kind of actually want to roll with this we know the person to call to get you help (laughs) set up yes um i mean it's definitely a cool place to play around in um in terms of the gangs, um, I created, like, where there weren't, I created characters of, like, leaders of each of the gangs, where there weren't already. Oh, cool. And, um, but I have to say my favorite gang, um, in terms of concept, are the dead warlocks. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the dead warlocks are gang of, <laughs> so it's implied that they're elves, um, but they never really say that halfies or half elves aren't allowed. Essentially, you just have to be able to um, have enough magic to run with them because they do ride around on motorcycles with no wheels. Which is so cool. 
So if magic ever fails on them in the city, which it does, and these motorcycles are run on magic, essentially they get into horrible, horrible accidents. So a lot of the dead warlocks have like scars or terrible injuries because nothing's gonna stop them from riding these motorcycles because it's like their calling card. Um, but they're, yeah, they're like a, the, the craziest band of elves and half-elves in my mind because they just, like, they don't care. They're just living life to the fullest and they're like barreling head first into whatever, like, <laughs> I want to say, like, it's almost like they don't fear, I mean, they're called the dead warlocks. I was going to say it's almost like they don't fear death or they're already dead, so what does it matter? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, don't stand too close to the road if you see the dead warlocks float by. They're the ones with the wheel of spikes entirely powered by elven power or elven spells. A dead warlock is a nasty piece of work, usually high on dust, totally crazy, and suicidal besides. If they hit a pocket of air where magic falters on those fancy bikes, then the name becomes self-explanatory, and you don't want to be nearby. Yep. It's kind of just wonderful. Yep. Yes. <laughs> So they all have like such cool names, like the Horn Dance, uh, Dragon's Fire, which are like essentially kids from the suburbs, or rather yes. elves from the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, it's like they look all tough, but they're made of money. Just, just you can do whatever. <laughs> um, so you had one story in particular in here that was your favorite. So I mm -hmm. wanted to talk specifically about that one. Yeah. Um, and it was Ellen Kushner's Hot Water, a border town romance. Yes. Um, Do you want me to go into why it's my favorite? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of, you would think, um, when given the opportunity to write in a world like this, a lot of authors would want to explore the elven side. But mm -hmm. what I really liked about Ellen Kushner's story is um, that she really tried to focus on like what happens to a mortal, like a mortal human, when they're faced with all of this, like the magic and the nearly immortal elves and the fact that this these people exist and you know everything that comes with it, the magic, the the languages, the the drugs that they have, because they have, like, their <laughs> elves have their own drugs. That's just kind of like this unearthly thing that exists now. So it's almost like everything else pales in comparison. I like how the story kind of goes into how it changes the humans around them, or around the elves, and how it makes them want different things. And even in their interactions with each other, it changes. Um, and I just really liked the character of Cece, who's, like, our kind of like our narrator in this story mm -hmm. and and just how she's kind of absorbing you, d you don't really find out why she's in border town or how she got there um but you can kind of extrapolate it when you if you like read between the lines and i just like that she's you know just trying to make her way in this this world where elves exist and you know humans are fascinated by them and she's just another human <laughs> um who's fascinated by them but I also like that there's a little bit of like, there's a narrative of, yeah, they're elves, but like, what's the big fucking deal? <laughs> yeah, she's very clearly been around for, for a little while, at least. Yes. The newness has worn off. Exactly. And I like that commentary kind of showed me what this world really is. 
kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's lived in, like, it's not about, you know, going on a quest to, you know, find a cure for some disease that the elves have and you need to go and find the specific elf in a forest, like the way that you would read it in a regular fantasy novel. And this is more just like, yeah, they're here and they're making everything really fucking complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, Stephanie, what did you think? I really liked this story. I liked the character of Thumper. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I like how it starts, like you get, you get to know what he's all about right away because he, uh, once he hears the voice coming out of his teapot, he's like, Nope, that seems like elf stuff. I am dumping this out. I want nothing to do with it. (laughs) Um, His opinions are known. (laughs) Um, But then there's that moment between him and Cece where she I think she's more honest about it than she means to be about the elves and how they don't always mean the same thing. When they say something, it doesn't necessarily mean what a human would mean when they, if, when they said that thing. Um, and just kind of admitting that kind of like you were saying, like they're elves, but, and, you know, (laughs) yeah. So (laughs) I liked that moment of honesty between the two of them. I, uh, I found Thumper, especially towards the end, um, have you ever seen one of those memes where it's like, um, where a guy's like, women are so mysterious. And they're like, yeah. well, and they're like, never understand what they mean. Well, but if you, so mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> and um, at one point, he's like, if I ever heard the voice, I know the soul. So wait, okay, backing up a step. This story is essentially about CC. um, making a, a request or a deal or whatever with a, 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 a fairy to essentially get Thumper to fall in love with the inner beauty or her inner self. Oh, no, it's not Thumper. It's uh, Hugh. Uh, Schwartz. Hugh Schwartz. Hugh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Thumper is the one that's, um, yes, you're right. Thumper's the writer. Yes. Yes. With the notebook. Okay. Got him backwards there. Um, <laughs> sorry, so Hugh's the one that comes off like a meme later. <clears throat> yes. Um, but yes, so she makes a deal to get Hugh to fall in love with her and to hear or find her inner soul or whatever. And that leads to her talking through the teacups. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the as te- like a morning radio show, almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's things like, the weather. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so that's happening. And, of course, Hugh falls in love with the woman talking through the teapots. And, and it was very much that classic scene of, like, I would know her anywhere and blah, blah, blah. And she comes up and starts talking. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll take another cup of tea. Yeah. And I was just like, yep, that's exactly yep. what should happen, what <laughs> yep. is to be expected. Yep. <laughs> um. But it was, I don't know, what happened to Thumper? Uh, So I think Thumper, um, I mean, he tries like several times throughout the story to get her to talk to him. He's very clearly interested in her. Yes. And he, and he gets rebuffed every time. She rebuffs him every time. She, you know, cause she's, she's in love with Hugh. Um, And I think essentially what Thumper ends up doing is he leaves something behind for her to find. Um, and then I, I mean, I like that the story doesn't really let you know if they find each other or if they, 
you know, what ends up happening with them, but I do like that. So essentially Thumper stops trying to talk to her. Yeah. But he leaves his notebook behind with this poem that he wrote for her. Yes. And I feel like he had had enough conversations with her, even though she wanted nothing to do with him, to kind of understand her mindset and write something that she would be able to receive, which I thought was, I don't know, I just thought it was really nice because he was actually paying attention to her in a way that she wanted to be paid attention to, but she was too focused on Hugh to to really see that that was happening. I mean, it is very much a... uh shit who's the director from the 80s john oh my god oh uh, pink uh john hughes john hughes thank you it is very much a john hughes kind of vibe of like she's pining after the guy who's got the guy pining after her yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah and then it ends with her bike missing so yeah yeah very (laughs) (laughs) open-ended and so then she walked (laughs) Um, but I had gotten the feeling that, cause I read, I went after I read it and actually, yeah, after I read it and then I finished the book, I went back to read this one again and I remember feeling like, so I feel like Thumper recognized her voice right away. Cause there were a couple points where he blinked yep. and he looked yes. at her and was like, see, he's recognizing the voice. Whereas Hugh, yes. Hugh is just not getting it. <laughs> Hugh has nope. no idea. Hugh's an idiot. Cause he's, yeah, a little oblivious. He's fallen in, yeah, he's fallen in love with the idea of her mm-hmm. instead of the actual, mm-hmm. Like the the real, the reality of her, which I think Thumper recognizes the reality of her and rejects this image that she's projecting. Yeah. Right. Um, but the story does have actually uh, one of my favorite lines in any story, um, just because I identify with it so much that it's like just stayed with me. Um, there's, it's essentially like right at the beginning when she's about to go into Cafe Cubana, which is the coffee shop, or sorry, the tea shop where she works. And um, it's right when she's like leaning her bike up against the the mailbox. And she realizes as she's walking into the tea shop that she forgot to lock up her bike. But then she realizes on her way back that she forgot the key to her lock. And so she says, I'm stupid, she said out loud. It made her feel safe to say that because nobody else could say it if she said it first. That is very powerful. Yeah. That is something that has been kind of embraced, I think, a little bit more these days. Um, Not always in a good way. Yeah. um, But if you can capitalize on that in yourself in a good way, it's a very powerful emotion. And confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think she's quite captured that yet. No, I think it's still a defense mechanism right. for her. Exactly. Because um, it sounds like she is pretty attractive because uh, Neville, what is Neville's full name? Screaming Lord Neville? Yes, yes Screaming <laughs> Lord that. Neville. Uh, eventually dresses her up. I love him. He's really great. Yeah. Um, and of course she looks gorgeous and of course Thumper sees her and falls even more in love Mm -hmm. yes um you know i do have to say he does not i mean he obviously tries and he obviously tries hard um but i don't get the clear like i'm a nice guy why aren't you giving me a chance kind of vibe which i really like yes yes yep i mean he's not trying to be anybody other than who he is right and 
he, you know, doesn't want to come out, right? Like, come out and say, like, I know it was you. I know you were the one speaking over the teapot. Like, there's just something about that that I really, like, he could have just come out and said it, but he knew that, like, she was never going to admit to it. Right. Right. Um, and we don't know until halfway through. Exactly. Right. There's, like, this this mystery of who's speaking through the teapot, which is part yes. of why um, Hugh Schwartz, like, comes into the tea shop, because he wants to hear the voice again, so he orders several pots of tea in the hope that <laughs> it speaks to him again. Um, and he just becomes obsessed with this idea of this, this, the voice and who belongs to the voice. And, you know, he has this image of, of what she's supposed to look like, and it's, it's not Cece. And I think, no, no. yeah, when she... Cece realizes that, it's, like, so sad. Yeah. Yes. With you thinking, there's one point where he thinks maybe she's a prisoner, the voice in the teapot, maybe she's a prisoner and I'll save her. Oh, He's yes. very much about just the idea of it all, not the actual person. So yeah. he can be the hero. or Yeah. You're right. This, this story is, what, seven pages at the most? But there's so much going on. Yeah. And it is so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the one I keep coming back to mm-hmm. every time I come back to this book. Um, there are other stories that I do like as well, but this one's just, like, there are interactions between the characters that I feel are very real, and mm-hmm. some of the things that Cece says, like, really resonate with me, and I don't know, it's, 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 for me, it's like everything I want a short story to be. Yes. Like, you have your characters, you have your plot, but you have something more. Like, there's, it gives you something every time you read it, which I, which I really enjoy. Well, I am uh, very happy you shared it with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you both liked it. Uh, Stephanie, did you end up having a favorite? I kept liking every story that I read, so I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> okay. No, um, that's perfectly fine. I did like that, um, like, I know with the tips and the guides and everything, how it does give you the warning that, you know, not everyone here is here to help you. There is racism, classism, you know, it's, but there was definitely the theme of people helping newbies to the town throughout a bunch Mm -hmm. of the stories that I really liked that even though it can be a hard world, it's, you know, it's not going to be, you know, all sunshine and roses and super easy for everyone new to town, but there are people out there that are willing to help. I did like that 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 was yeah. that seemed to be a very common theme yeah. yeah this book is almost 20 years old um and the series started 30 years ago <laughs> um, <laughs> and i think the last one was released yeah in 2011 yeah so, so this... that was a revitalization so basically the people who write for that um short story anthology the 2011 one um basically all grew up reading these books, which I thought I was, was say, really cool. This group of, is wonderful. It's a lot of people that I know. And of course, a lot of older ones, uh, older ones, sorry. Neil Gaiman's been writing for a while. He's not old, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's old. He's like 56 now, 57. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw that Holly Black did the, the 2011 one. And I, I definitely want to pick it up. Um, I do love her uh, fantasy stuff. I do too. Um, so, to- uh but yeah, I, it it holds up. Like I wouldn't have pegged it for a '90s book. Um, I don't know if it's just because 
I kind of think in a bubble, but I just, it doesn't scream 90s fashion even really or anything like that. Yeah, like there's not a lot that dates it. Right. Yeah. So um, the only kind of issue I had was that it was, you know, 20 bucks for a book, especially 20 bucks for a YA book. Yeah. Um, Uh, Well, because it's a lot of the books in this world, shared universe, um, haven't been reprinted. And if they are reprinted, it's very limited run. Um, So that's part of the reason why it's so expensive is because there's not a a lot of demand for this book. I think they only... I think the most recent reprinting was because of the 2011 anthology. Gotcha. Um, But I've been trying to find... I've been trying to collect all of the books in this shared universe. Um, Some of them are anthologies. Some of them are like novels. But some of them are out of print. And the only way to really get them is to find a reseller Mm. or a secondhand shop that has it. And some of them... I guess there's a lot of people who are trying to get them all because some that of them know sense. what they have and they're like charging $50 oh, for like man. a second edition. Jeez. <laughs> so it's been a little difficult for me to um Well, to which find ones are all. you missing? Just if oh, uh, gosh. any uh, of us who frequent secondhand bookstores, um, so, as I point to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh, first page on the inside, it's, uh, I have... Um, I have Elsewhere, I have Never Never, I have Finder, um, but I do not have the first anthology, which is Borderland. Okay, I could imagine that one's harder. Yeah, find. and Border Town, the second one, um, I also do not have. And then The Armless Maiden and Other Tales for Childhood Survivors, I'm, I've never seen. I cannot find it anywhere. Really? Um, the Woodwife, I do not have. And the faces of fantasy. I do have. It's not listed on here because it was published after. Um, I do have. I mentioned this on the last episode. Um, I have right. uh, the last hot time, which is almost like a Chicago version of Border Town. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Like uh, the author of the book. Oh God, whose name escapes me right now. Um, <laughs> he took everything that like the world of the essential border town and kind of gave it a midwest twist which i really enjoyed well i definitely want to borrow it but i kind of almost wanted to keep it when i saw the cover anyways so (laughs) (laughs) it's really good it's it's definitely it it's in the same vein as all of the stories in this anthology yeah i gotta say i'm not when i I, this cover is no good no Um, this is this for a cover it. podcast, we don't talk too much about covers, but this cover really threw me off. I was really <laughs> not sure what I was getting into this, yeah. with uh, what you were, you know, getting into, and I was so pleasantly surprised by uh, what it turned out to be because I um, was really expecting more of the fairy tale, um, you know, save the princess, find the cure. Mm elves are all evil, human good, or elves are all cold, human good, and and there is some in here, of course, but it is so much grittier and real. So. Yeah, it's like more complex. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. There's, all of the other ones um, have very good covers. This is like the one that sticks out to me that has the least imaginative oh. cover, because I think it came out it's at the, a time. It's the castle. 
It is. It's like, I think it's supposed to be Arcadia. Okay. Or like an image of Arcadia. Like the idea of Arcadia rather than the actuality. Hmm. Um, where there's a story in this book called Arcadia. And I think okay. that's what they went with. I feel like whoever did this cover was like looking at all the stories and was like, I can't use any of this imagery. <laughs> Wait, Arcadia. I can use that. Yeah. <laughs> So I think they were just massively unimaginative because all the other covers are pretty good. Um, so Stephanie, do you normally read urban fiction or urban fiction, urban fantasy? Not usually. I usually don't go towards fantasy. And I was thinking about it. I usually don't go towards collections of short stories either. Um, but I'm really glad that you picked this because I loved it. <laughs> so it's going to have me definitely going into that um, genre way more for sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely a complete contrast to what we read last yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Um, there's a really great, I, I just, I have to promote this because it's an author that I, I feel like is like on the cusp of getting enough love. Um, but Daniel Jose Older writes the Shadow Shaper series. There's the first one's out, the second one comes out in September. It takes place in like Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Oh, cool. um, and it is a Caribbean... Um, I don't know if she's born or just of Caribbean descent, but uh, main character. And it, it is a very wonderful combination of um, not gritty Brooklyn, but like realistic kind of Brooklyn. Like they've got some gentrification, but it's still a neighborhood that hasn't been quite yet um, with this just like magical flair throughout. So I have not read a ton of urban fantasy <clears throat> Um which I was kind of surprised because for whatever reason, I think I like it, but <laughs> I just actually don't read a lot of it. Um, but I totally recommend his books. Um, and yeah, I try to read like two short story collections a year. They're really hard for me to get through. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll admit, like I haven't finished this one yet. I don't know what it is, if it's the constant changing storylines. Um, this theme throughout this one makes it easier than other ones I've read, but mm-hmm. um but I am so glad we got to read this. I will say, when you mentioned Holly Black, um, she, for me, was a very natural progression from this book. Uh, I went into um, the Spider- like, modern fairy tale oh, series right. that she, she actually wrote. Um, yeah, Spiderwick. She's also, she also wrote Spiderwick, but this is less Spiderwick for me than the modern fairy tale series that she has, which is not actually a series it's just several novels in the same world mm-hmm. s- similar to this uh it's like it's tithe and iron uh, iron heart or iron something Ironside. Ironside. yes so tithe Ironside, and i think there's two others and i can't remember them right now but uh valiant's the other one valiant and then there's another one that she just came out with okay that one um, i don't know yeah so <laughs> i have i have tithe i have Ironside and I have um, Valiant and it is a little bit more traditional in terms of the world of fairy mm-hmm. um, but I still like really felt like I fell in love with it because it was still kind of the same urban fantasy where it's like this world butting up against the old fairy world but still like there's remnants of it everywhere you just kind of have to peel away the veil between our worlds and it's it's kind of what got me 
obsessed with the idea that like if we could only do it properly it could be the next big thing and we can put werewolves and vampires and zombies to bed if we could just get somebody who can adapt fairies properly <laughs> and i'm not talking about the cassandra claire mortal instruments no, no, no. that's so bad. I think that's more angels and demons anyway. Yes, yes it is. But they do have, they throw some berries in there and it just yeah. upsets me every time. <laughs> oh, I mean, True Blood tried it too and it was kind of um, more, it was weird. It was weird. It was very. Um, and then I actually just read the first book of A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is a like Beauty and the Beast retelling where the beast is a fairy so she mm -hmm. goes into this fairy world um yeah <laughs> i mean it was it's i got a lot of ranting about that but um <laughs> i was a little worried i was actually like finishing that made me love this book even more um because there is something about fairies that it's it seems people have a really hard time not making them you're right. We are due for a change because vampires have changed, not necessarily for the better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> werewolves kind of have changed. There I still mean, needs werewolf... to be a good werewolf thing. Like, uh, yeah. like ever since an American werewolf in, in London? London, yes, we haven't really had like. I was a little bit swayed by Teen Wolf on the new series of Teen Wolf on MTV <laughs> until the third season, which failed me entirely, and every season after that. Um, they had a very interesting concept to kind of take the movie from the 80s and, like, oh, cool. take it seriously. Yeah. Like, what would it be like to actually have to turn into a werewolf and go to high school and, like, explain to your mother that your sheets are torn not because <laughs> of, you know, wild, rambunctious sex, but because you turned into a werewolf in the <laughs> middle of the night. Um, <laughs> but it's, it like... There's just something about fairies that I feel like the only visualization, at least on TV or, or film, that came close for me to kind of getting that gritty realism of how dangerous they are, as well as otherworldly, was Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Wow, I was really... I don't know what I was expecting to come out of your mouth, but that was not it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's the, the brother and sister, like, elves or not really elves, I forget what they call them. I think they call them elves. Um, and then the whole world underneath, because it's Guillermo del Toro's visualization of... Right. So that you've got the puppets, you've got the the twisted characters that look very strange, and they got that strange otherworldliness with the gritty city, like, very... Like, they hit it. They hit that note that I'm looking for. Uh, second place goes to Lost Girl. But oh, yes. Lost Girl did not make them look anything other than human because they didn't have the budget to do the sci the special effects makeup, but they got the concepts right. They just didn't show them actually looking like elves. They just look like pretty humans. <laughs> Which <laughs> but, is essentially how they almost always get boiled down to. Yeah. So. <laughs> Stephanie, what about you? Which uh, mythological creature would you like to see a redoing of? Oh, well, definitely no more vampires and werewolves. I'm absolutely with you guys on that. 
My love of vampires stops with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which ended many years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. God, um, I love Buffy. <laughs> but no, I think I would like to see more elves or fairies because my I haven't seen all of Hellboy 2. I've seen the beginning, so I know roughly what you're talking about. <laughs> but then my other like knowledge of the elves, I was picturing, um, what's his name? Orlando Bloom from Lord of the Rings yes. a lot while reading this. And it's like, I need <laughs> yeah. more than that. I need just different, <laughs> you know, different tellings of this, please. Well, I uh, know a few authors that I'm going to pass it on to. Maybe that can be the next big thing. Um, because, yeah, I think right now it's um, more Alice in Wonderland retellings, kind of from the YA genre. Oh, gosh. Um, and <laughs> what else? Heartless. That would be, no, that is Alice in Wonderland. I feel like there's another one. And I'm worried that Beauty and the Beast is about to take an uptaking again with the movie just coming out. Oh, um, gosh. I have no interest in seeing that movie. Oh, I saw it. It was cute. It was cute. I, it was, yeah, I liked it. I thought, um, I guess, I guess I'm just, I'm a purist. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but are you a purist? Of the uh, 1800s or 1700s original story, or are we talking like 91 Disney purists? I am both. <laughs> okay. okay. I can agree. I can agree with the Disney version kind of adapting it for children. <laughs> um, but I do like the original version as well. I, I just did not need, I did not need Emma Watson as Belle. I just didn't. I love her. <laughs> I Don't need- get me wrong. <laughs> I needed Dan Stevens as the Beast. Okay, like, so that's probably the only reason that <laughs> I will say I, I did not know that I needed, um, is it Luke Evans as Gaston? Is that his yes. name? Oh, he so, was yes. so good. Oh my he God, was he was amazing. All right, and so I I'll like just that... fast forward through all the Emma Watson parts and get uh, to the Luke Evans parts. Yeah, I mean, she was fine. She's a very stock I'm sorry, I love Emma Watson, but she still is a very good stock, just Belle character. Um, but yeah, I like that they made Gaston, like, that the, like, he thinks he's so great. The town might not necessarily agree, yes. but they'll do whatever they have to to keep him happy. Yeah. So, um, I got plenty of friends that didn't like it. That's fine. Whatever. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I'd really enjoyed it. <laughs> I remember I had been wanting to see it, and then I think I wasn't feeling good, so we didn't go see it. And then there was one day we were just at home, and my husband was like, we should go see it. It's playing at this town. I was like, I don't know if I really want to go. He's like, oh, come on. I know you want to see it. Let's go. So we go. And at the end, he's like, it's really because I wanted to see it. I was like, well, why didn't you just say that? (laughs) He loved it. I'm glad. Yeah. I ended up doing a double feature. For whatever reason, like, I think it came out in March. Mm-hmm. That's always my double feature month. So I double featured it with Logan. Oh. Um, which was my first superhero movie since Deadpool. Okay. Oh. Um, and yes, very weird double feature. Both <laughs> of them very great, though. <laughs> so I have, I have yet to see Logan. I have to see Logan. Oh, oh you have to see Logan. True. Yes. Really good. And then I saw, um, which I know she's not necessarily your favorite, but hopefully X-Men is looking to expand because Dazzler is going to be in the next movie. I know, I know. Dazzler's great. Don't get me wrong. Dazzler's wonderful. I'm just... It's a foot. It is a foot in the door. I know. 
If they, I just, I just don't want Lila Cheney to be like some side character in the Dazzler movie because they do actually perform together in the comics. But maybe they will cast her so well that we can get a petition started to make her wondering. Don't worry, we got your back on this. We are going to get you your movie. <laughs> I just feel like it's gonna be so. If Lila Cheney is Joan Jett, Dazzler is, and I could be wrong, and I could be offending. A bunch of people out there, but for me, <laughs> Dazzler is like very Olivia Newton John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is a good comparison. I will totally give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how how much sense it makes to put Joan Jett on stage with Olivia Newton John. I mean, I would love to see it, but I don't know if you know Hollywood is ready. <laughs> That's it'll be. I'm glad they're trying. I'm glad that before the podcast started, we were talking about Spider-Man 2, or the, the new Spider-Man, um, and that it was more um, relatable to the comics. And I'm glad that maybe we're seeing another spark in the revival of, of superhero movies, perhaps, um, where we're not focusing on necessarily all the big names because like i'm really excited captain marvel's coming hmm. yes um yep i wish it was oh shit it's i know it's carol da- danvers yes um i wish it was whoever took over after her uh wait captain marvel or miss marvel no i'm thinking miss marvel that is where i'm getting confused okay so um, uh carol danvers was miss marvel and then she and got then, promoted to captain yes. marvel and then kamala khan became miss marvel right Yes, sorry. My, well, I don't care. Hate me if you want. I read comics, but I don't stick with superheroes that often. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, uh, I had, a, I have two encyclopedias. And oh, I, nice. every time they come up with like a new comic, I kind of read about it. I have not read the new Captain Marvel. I have every intention of doing so. And I have read the first trade of Miss Marvel. Okay. But I like Miss Marvel. Yeah, Miss Marvel's great. Um, I have not, like, I will hear about new characters, mm-hmm. uh, but I won't necessarily read the comics until they either go online and I can read them digitally or the trade comes out because individual right. issues are very difficult for me yeah. right now. Yeah, they're yep. pricey and just, yeah, I have a big stack that I need to do. I need to ke- catch up. And I just heard that Runway, Runaways um, is going to be done by Rainbow Rowell and I am so excited about that and at the same time I'm like crap I just got a few off my list I don't want to add (laughs) yeah no I will say this Runaways is probably in terms of talking about um the book we read this week is probably for me the like natural progression towards getting more in this vein like urban fantasy while Runaways isn't fantasy it does still have that sense of otherworldliness like crashing into the real world in a very like gritty way so I'm looking forward to that yeah I'm looking forward to it I need to read the original run um it's just been on my list but as soon as I saw that she is taking over as writer um it definitely got bumped up um and we have gotten so off topic sorry guys (laughs) um so Stephanie you did love the book I did. I'm just trying to 
very much. Go down much. my list of normal um, questions. Oh, one other thing that I really liked about this book was the structure. Um, I know I'd said I liked how the tips and the guides, you know, those were all sprinkled in without feeling overpowering or anything. It just felt very natural. I liked also um, the stories themselves kind of felt like they had a very good flow with the way that this was all put together. Um, the first stories about um, a young girl leaving the world for border town, our world, the human world. And then the second one's about a young man leaving uh, the realm and coming to border town. And then it kind of just felt like very much like the stories just flowed through border town. You end up on the mad river at one point and, and then the second to last story is someone leaving border town to go to the world. And the last one they're going to the realm. I just like that bookend and just the general flow of the stories. It felt very natural and almost like a tour of this area, if that makes sense. Yeah. I have to agree. This is a, a very well put together short story collection, which doesn't happen frequently. And, um, I don't know who did that, if it's the publisher or if it's Terry uh, Windling, but... I would um, I would bank on Terry Windling. Probably, um, yeah. She, um, yeah, she's got a couple of these anthologies in this world. Right. She's the one who came up with the original shared universe originally, and I feel like... Whereas, I mean, you have all these different authors writing all of these different stories, I feel like she, as editor, had a very clear idea what she wanted and was able to curate that in a way that stayed consistent to her idea of the world and the shared universe and how it should come off without being heavy handed about it. Like mm. I, like I agree with <clears throat> Stephanie, like this feels like if it wasn't set out to be this way, this is amazing that it came <laughs> out this way. Yes. Like, yeah, I could almost see this being a, a, one of those notebooks, um, like a leather-bound notebook mm -hmm. with papers just shoved in, or like an actual, maybe like hand-done book of a guide that like people shove stories in, and then yeah, at the end, someone left it because they no longer needed it. Yeah, I I would love if more people read this book, and if this podcast means that more people will read this book, <laughs> it would make me very happy because I would love to have, like, a shared reference to this book with more people because this book. I felt like I would talk to people about this book and they'd be like, where did you even find that? And I was like, I found it in the bookstore, same as anybody else. Right. Come on, somebody <laughs> else must have read this. Yeah, I think Tor might actually benefit from an, a re-release and an update uh, now just because fairy tales were so big and everything. Um, it could be a limited run or anything like that, but, you know, this is what why a kind of needs right now <laughs> um in a major way um i would love to, yeah. for it to be more popular i would love for this to kind of seep into the psyche of the young adult readers yeah. of this generation because it's it's got a lot of if i had read this when i was in high school i felt like i would have like i benefited a lot from reading it in college but i I can't even imagine what, like, how I would have benefited from reading this in high school, and just the stories of of kids that age, just trying, like, they're completely on their own in the city, trying to figure stuff out, like, and failing sometimes, failing awfully. Yes. Sometimes, yeah. and still, you know, in some way, making it. You know, they're still alive, they're still moving forward and living each day. Like that would have. It's just the kind of storytelling 
that I felt like I would have needed, that I did need in college and I definitely needed in high school. Yes, I think, uh, I think I'm going to start a petition. Let's re-release a bunch of 90s YA books. Yep. Please. This is what YA is missing as someone who reads so much of it. Um, it's getting a little too tropey and and predictable and I don't want to say boring. And again, this is someone who I read YA almost exclusively. <laughs> um, but this made me hurt for old YA. Yeah. And what I originally fell in love with. I mean, I still have all of my old YA from, from high school and college. Like, yes. they are beloved. And <laughs> I have tried to read some new YA and I've just been like, I know what's going to happen before this book even like yes. gets started. Like I read the first chapter and I'm like, oh God, I got to put this down because I, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I, yeah, this is the first year I've been like, uh, maybe I need to stop. <laughs> I can give you some of my old YA. Oh, I have plenty of old YA. <laughs> um, sorry, Stephanie, you were going to say something. Oh no, I was just going to say my youngest brother, he's 12. I think this will be the next book that I convince him to read. Like you, <laughs> you need this in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, yes. I would love to hear what he thinks about it if you do get him to read it. I, my stepmom has been wanting him to read more. Um, I bought uh, Star Wars um, Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, and I read I it. I love Claudia Gray. This was really Sorry. good. It, no, if you, <laughs> This one was so good. Plus, it was because I don't know if you know about this one. This one is it's basically told from the perspective of two young adults growing up. Um, you know, they're raised that they want to fight, you know, they want to be in the empire. They want to fight for the empire because that's what, that's all they know. And it basically takes place from their perspectives during the original three movies. It's so good. Oh, that's really cool. So good. Because <laughs> my youngest brother got. Hmm? It's on my list because I love her. It's really good. But I actually had no idea what it was about, yeah. but that is that's, amazing sounding. It's got like the little things of like, this is happening. You're like, oh wait, I think I know what they're talking about because it took place in this movie. You know, like little hints like that. And then it, you know, obviously goes into it more. Um, but that was at a friend's suggestion because my brother got really into Star Wars recently. I was like, okay, I bought it, made him read it because he doesn't read enough, according to my stepmom. <laughs> so now he's on <laughs> summer break and this will be the next one. Like, I have it here. It's ready for you to read. That's awesome. Um, and he won't read Harry Potter, you said, right? He, he tried reading the first one a few years ago, but I feel like, I don't know if he did, didn't like it or if he was just like trying to be different because everybody loved it. He knows I loved it. Our other brother really liked it, except he still hasn't finished the series. Um, my husband likes it. So I don't know if he'll so give he it another chance, like it. but he said Percy Jackson was better. And I have not read Percy Jackson, but I said, no, it's not. <laughs> Just because <laughs> Harry Potter is a special place in my heart forever and always. <laughs> Agreed. I don't know what his plans are this summer, but <laughs> I've got plans for it. <laughs> I know my stepmom has plans to teach him how to cook. That's another thing that's on the nice. on the menu because my other brother, he's 17. He's at UConn right now for a program from now until I think the beginning of August. And then he'll be home for a couple more weeks and then back at UConn for the, the real semester. Wow. So the youngest one now, he's the only one in the house and, you know, he's got to learn how to cook because people have been cooking for him. <laughs> <laughs> that is a skill that is uh, definitely necessary in life. It is. It is. I will say this: we have not talked about uh, what drink would work for oh, this. Oh man! Oh, that's right. Yes. What drink? My idea changed with every story. <laughs> uh, all right. What do you guys think? 
I, based on the story that I recommended, um, I would say like some sort of tea infused drink, but my tea infused drink uh, knowledge is lacking. Because <laughs> all I know is a, um, uh, a London Fog, which is an Earl Grey with steamed milk. But I don't know of any alcoholic drinks that are tea infused. What were you thinking, Stephanie? Something with tea, but I was like, that's boring. Can you just add booze to tea? Like, I, like you know, you put Baileys in your coffee. <laughs> yeah, um, like, I know you could totally put Baileys in your coffee. I would imagine maybe, like, like something like, it would be interesting if it was, like, absinthe in tea, because I feel like that might work well together. That would be an interesting combination. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's stuff out there, because, like, I mean, if we could be really boring and there are hot toddies. I, mean, I, I thought of that, too. <laughs> I did. Um, and here are a bunch of very um, suburban, southern, cold tea cocktails. Oh, none of these sound good. I, I mean, they like, sound good, but none of them sound good for... Like, some kind of, like, elderberry Ooh. wine, maybe? Or something that's, like, kind of elvish, but with a human twist? All right. See what we got here. There is an elderberry tea cocktail. Oh, let's see what's in it. Logs are the worst. <laughs> and I'm trying to look some up too. <laughs> Ooh, I uh, like this a... one. There's bourbon involved. Oh, bourbon. that's always good. Oh. Bourbon peach sweet tea. Mm. This one's got berry flavored tea, berry flavored vodka, elderflower liquor, and hot water. Oh. Ooh. Okay, that sounds interesting. I found one with Earl Grey. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh. Earl, Earl Grey, gin, well, lemon juice, and honey syrup. Ooh, with Ooh. lavender sprigs. Fancy. Oh. Ooh, like see, because I know Earl Grey was um, Thumper's favorite tea. Yes. Yes. Friends of ours had an engagement party um, last Saturday, and for gifts on like the invite, their parents suggested tea because they really like tea. They got a lot of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Like one oh, person alone, set. yeah. One person alone got them this huge gift basket. It's like you're not oh, going to need no. to buy tea forever. <laughs> I mean, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you store it properly, it can probably last a really right. long time. Yeah. Um. So some kind of uh, send me the link for that uh, Earl Grey one. Sure. We'll go with uh, two tea-based cocktails for this one. Um, and there is a running list um, that I'm going to add to every single one. Um, I know pretty much put a list together, but I have actually talked to the people that suggested the book to see um, what their ideas were. Um, and like Ollie found or told us that there's actually a Waylander drink. Oh. So that was added to the list. Very cool. Um, nice. And I think. I think that was the only one that really changed it um but yeah it's uh definitely a list and if you ever want to come on know your book know your drink um and maybe <laughs> some point when it's not a thousand degrees i'll actually drink while <laughs> doing this um so now that we finished this book what are you guys going to read next So I was supposed to read uh, Devil in the White City next, and then I got yes. really lazy, <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> I just read this, um, but this no judgment. <laughs> this kind of put me in the mood for more like 
short story style. Um, so I have Roxane Gay's uh, Bad Feminist collection of essays. So I think I'm going to do that next because I have not. Oh, nice. I don't know how that yet. is. I yeah. think I have that one. Yeah. No, I have uh, Geek Feminism. Um, mm-hmm. But I want that one. So tell me what you think. I will. I also want her next one too, Hunger. But yes. I got to read this one first. <laughs> Since it's, it's still sitting there. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm probably, so I haven't quite finished uh, The Last Hot Time, okay. Uh, which is kind of in the same uh, same world as this, but this is making me want to go back and find the fourth Holly Black book in the Modern Fairy Tale series, um, which I will probably see if I can track down, because um, I'm very keen on seeing how that ends. Um, and then... I, I kind of want to go back and reread the other books that I have in this world as well. Like, just Finder, Elsewhere, Never Never, which are novels, and um, go a little bit deeper into what this world is like. So, I, I mean, I'm, I've, this happens every time I read this book. It's like I get sucked into this rabbit hole. This oh, book wonderful. is, I, the copy that I have is warped. I don't know if you can see it, <laughs> yes. but this is one of the only books I've read in the shower because I could not put it down. <gasps> That's amazing. Like, I, I, I woke up and I started reading it and I, like, walked into the bathroom and, like, went into the shower and I never put the book down. <laughs> and so it's like, it got wet and I was like, I don't care. I have to keep reading. <laughs> well, if that is not a ringing endorsement, you're never going to find one. Exactly. So, um, this book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, it was 20 bucks, which I mean, again, books, that's uh, not complaining about the price. It's, you know, that YA books are typically 10 bucks. That's why I was like, wait, that's weird. Um, but I totally, yeah. If you love fairies in the slightest, pick it up. And if you find any of these that, uh, Liana is missing, please give her a shout. Yes, please um, do. And um, do you guys have anything you want to plug, actually, speaking of giving you a shout? Um, well, <laughs> my husband and I are finally doing our podcast. <laughs> Yay! Woo! What are you guys doing? So, um, right now, the title is Intro to Introductions 101. Uh, basically, nice. we are going to take turns introducing the other to books, movies, shows, foods, anything. Basically something that we haven't really introduced the other person to in the course of our 10-year relationship um, or something that the other person hasn't really given a chance. Um, and This sounds like a good therapy thing. I- <laughs> <laughs> Keep things interesting. <laughs> so we haven't recorded our first episode yet, but he's starting it off with a Nine Inch Nails album that I have to listen to. I just haven't had time this week. <laughs> So I'm curious to know which one. Um, crap, the downward spiral. Oh, oh. It's like wait, I think you already have one fan. (laughs) Yes, Um, because he is a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, and I. So I've heard, um, you know, I've heard Nine Inch Nails songs. I've had, I have a few, you know, on different my iPod and different playlists and stuff like that. Uh, But I've never actually sat down to listen to one album just you know just sit there and listen so i need to find time to do that so that we can actually record the first episode i i will say this it's definitely a night album Mm, okay i'll keep that in mind uh i've I've 
it just doesn't feel the same when I listen to it in, during the daytime. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is Nine Inch Nails, and I'm not supposed to be, like, I'm not trying to be, like, all goth and, like, you have to listen to it in the dark, <laughs> but there's just a, <laughs> there's just a certain feeling you get from the music if it's, like, after sunset or sunset, um, just that doesn't quite work if it's the middle of the day. Interesting. I will keep that in mind. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, when it is uh, officially out, um, we will post a link because um, I am all for supporting people that have been on the show and they have all been wonderful. So anything to help you all along with your future um, endeavors, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm really tired, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I love the title, though. That's just a yeah. great title. <laughs> yeah, we were playing around with that and it. I think that's it. I think that's going to stick. <laughs> I, I like it. Go ahead. Just start collecting the social media now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I started collecting the social media for this in February. My first episode dropped in April. So, nice. like, do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just get it. Like, I know he wants to do another one with our friend um, about the Mass Effect games. Okay. And... I'm not sure. I think the Citadel is going to be the title, and I'm pretty sure they already have a Twitter for it. <laughs> so nice. it's like you are on nice. top of things. <laughs> yes. Um, Eliana, have we convinced you you should do a podcast? I mean, I, I will say this. I have thought about, um, because I have them, um, <laughs> I have been thinking about doing a podcast where I read the Sailor Moon manga <gasps> and then watch the and the corresponding episode in the old series and then the corresponding episode in the new series and just do like a, a massive comparison of like which version like felt like the best and which version actually was like true to the story like because um Naoko Takuchi who actually wrote the Sailor Moon manga mm-hmm. um had a very specific idea about what she wanted and I know that the old anime took some liberties with that, but I feel like the new anime was almost like a slave to the canon. Really? Um, so I, I, I might do something like that, but I also have to like work on compiling where I'm going to watch everything. Cause the old episodes are not, I don't know if all of the seasons are online. I know that some of the seasons are, and I have the original, um, the old anime on DVD, like the first season, but I don't have the subsequent seasons on DVD. So okay. I, I will consider it. Uh, um, I have to actually do it. And, <laughs> um, if part of the problem is you just need an editor, that I can help with. Um, and I can help you find a co-host if you need one of those too. I, like part of me is like, I'm with you, but I can't. I, can't. I, I think I actually have agreed to a fourth one. Um, so I can't, but I will edit for you all day long and I will listen. I love Sailor Moon and it has been so long since I've even like watched it. I know it's on Hulu. Um, yeah, there's, there's the, the new, the new one is on Hulu for sure. I've definitely watched it. Um, there, gosh, there's just so much there. Like this is, has been with me since I was like seven years old. I cannot... I don't know if going down this rabbit hole is the right way to go, but if I do do it, it's like I'm all in, I guess. Do <laughs> so it. So whoever, if there's a co-host out there that wants to, like, I will 
Like, I think the problem's going to be the episodes will be too long because I will not stop talking about it. <laughs> that is why you have a fantastic editor. If you, yes. If you don't want to do it yourself. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Okay. Yeah, that sounds well, like an awesome idea. <laughs> we will keep an ear out for that. All right. Um, and this is the last episode with you guys for now. Um, you guys have both been great. It's been my first all-female group, and I think it has been fantastic, and I hope you guys have both enjoyed it. Oh, yes, yes very much. Absolutely. Um, so, speaking of, um, really quick thank you to Mary for doing my artwork, because she's amazing, and I love my cover. Um, and you can find this podcast on iTunes and Stitchers or wherever else you find podcasts. I think it's called Apple Music now, or Apple Play, or... I think it's Apple Music and uh, Google Play. That's it, yeah. We're on Google Play. I always forget Google has podcasts. Sorry, Google. Um, anyways, uh, we're also all over social media. You can find our website at judgingbookcovers.com, um, on Facebook and Twitter at JBC Podcast, and Instagram at Judging Book Covers Podcast, which might just turn into a book Instagram or bookstagram. Um, because I really like taking pictures of my books. Um, and I've lost my other train of thought. Oh, be on the lookout. Uh, my second podcast, Fabulous Retellings, um, which sounded like such a great title in theory, and it is such a bitch to say. Um, our first episode will drop July 18th. It will be a weekly podcast where we discuss the original fairy tales and fables and myths and then we talk about five retellings um two books uh two visual medias and something really random be on the lookout july 18th for that um so next week i am going to be joined by aaron ayers and gina radcliffe and we are going to be reading tim powers the anubis gates um so see you in two weeks and thank you guys again and um, bye yay thank you thank you